man, did you see my man up here playing bass? Man, for the first 10 years of our marriage, we used to play and lead worship together every single week. I would play my acoustic guitar, and he would be back behind me playing bass, playing drums, playing electric guitar, playing conga drums, like he played everything, whatever we needed. And I have missed being able to lead worship with him. And it was so wonderful to be able to see him play and just lead in worship. He's just going, it's awesome. But the best thing about it, even though he's taking a break in this season from his normal routine, do you notice he's still serving Jesus? What an example that he is setting in that. Come on, somebody. <laughs> he hates that attention. So I've always been considered what some might call lucky, and it's not luck that I could have created on my own in any way, shape, or form, but usually it was kind of like winning contests or winning a raffle of some kind, and I grew up in Texas, and in the early 90s in Texas, supermarkets would have these raffles, and you would go, and you would write your name, and it's not like the big car, and they're trying to lure you in to get your information so they can contact you a million times. It's not like that at all. It's more of like an appreciation thing, like fill out this raffle, we're going to give a a gift and it's just a thank you for shopping at Piggly Wiggly because that is a grocery store in Texas. So early 90s, I'm a kid and my mom's grocery shopping and I get bored and so I fill out one of these raffles and I put my name in and I win. And you guys, it was a life-size Nestle Crunch bar that I won. It was huge. Like, it must have been three feet tall. I swear at the time it was as big as me. And it was like big chunks, like thick. And we sliced those things up. We put a bunch of it in the freezer. And I ate on that chocolate bar for years. It gave me the best dental cavities of my life. But my luck did not stop there. See, when I was a teenager, we were back at the supermarket, and I filled out one of those Piggly Wiggly raffles, and I turned my name in, and I won a really expensive bicycle. Come on, I was leveling up. But I already had a bicycle, so I gave it to my mother for Mother's Day because I am such a good daughter. Thank you. Thank you. But my luck did not stop there. Throughout the years, I've had these surprising moments of unexplained luck in my life. I've won trips. I've won competitions. I've received financial blessings. Come on, Connect Church has received financial blessings. Hello, thank you, Jesus. And um, man, it makes me pause and think, like, is it luck? Is it just a chance at the draw? Or is it favor from God? Did I manifest it or did God bless me with it? Come on. Today, I want to talk a little bit about God's favor on your life. And there's a story in the Old Testament about Joseph. And this is not Joseph who was married to Mary, the mother of Jesus from the New Testament. This is the Old Testament in Genesis. And we're going to be reading in Genesis 39 if you have your Bible, but it's going to be a little while before we read there. So I'll give you some time to turn there if you want. But man, Joseph, throughout his whole life, he had circumstances, but found favor with God. 
So before we read in the scripture, because there's a big chunk of history in Genesis all about Joseph's life, and I challenge you this week, go read about Joseph's story from the beginning to the end. Like that will help you tie all of today together. And it'll be, it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. So I'm so pumped to teach it today. But man, I'm going to give you the movie version, Amber's movie version of Joseph's life until we get to the scripture that we're going to read. So let's start a little bit with the lineage. So Joseph came from first Abraham, his grandfather, so or his great grandfather. Yep. And so Abraham, you might have grown up in church and you've heard the song, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. Now it's going to be stuck in your head all day. You're welcome. So Abraham is known as the father of faith. And uh, he, he was also promised by God to have more descendants than there are stars in this sky. So Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons. It's a lot of sons. But only two of those sons were born to him from the love of his life, Rachel. Now, Rachel, for many, many years, was infertile. She wasn't able to have children. But then one day, God blessed their unity and gave them a son. And so Jacob named him Joseph. And because of their infertility journey, uh, he ended up loving Joseph more than any of his other sons because Rachel was his favorite wife. And so Joseph became his favorite son. Have you ever heard of the title, Joseph and the Coat of Many Colors? It comes from this story because Jacob loved his son so much that he made this coat that was like all these different colors, really fancy, like a really expensive coat. Back in the day, nobody had anything like this. And so Joseph, one day, he's like strutting around in his coat, looking fancy in front of his brothers, making them feel like less than. And he's like, Dad loves me more. And guess what, brothers? I had a dream that one day all of you are going to bow down in front of me. Man, and it really ticked his brothers off. So much so. It rubbed them wrong so much that they decided that they were going to murder their brother. Not just set Joseph aside and be like, dude, you're a teenager. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, let's set the record straight. No, they like plotted to kill their brother. Now let's pause the movie for a second. How many of you guys have siblings? Brothers, sisters, lift your hands up high. Okay, lift it even higher if you have four or more. Four or more, okay. I'm gonna talk to you, just for a second. Tell me, stand up for a second so everybody can see you. Tell me your name and how many siblings you have. My name is Barbara and I had seven siblings. And I Seven! How many brothers, how many sisters? Four brothers and... With me, four, four girls, so three girls. Four girls all together. Half, half. Okay, wow, that's amazing. And are you the favorite or is someone else the favorite? I was the youngest. I was dad's favorite and mom's black sheep, so. <laughs> okay, let's pretend you're the favorite of everyone, but you're definitely dad's favorite and that you rub that in your sister's face. You're like, yeah, I'm the best. I'm the favorite. I get everything. You get nothing. And this really rubs your sisters wrong. And um, one day the circus comes into town. And so together your sisters are like, hey, 
Barb, we, we've got a fun night planned. We're going to go to the circus. And they take you off to the circus. But then they're like, you know what? You're going to stay. And they give you to the circus. She's going to be really great at trapeze. Like, here she is. And then, are you? Yes. Are you talented like that? That's crazy. Wow, that's really impressive, Barb. <laughs> so, so here you are in the circus. And, you're up, and then they go home and they tell their parents, yeah, sorry, she ran away. Like, that wouldn't be, that's crazy. But it wouldn't be near as crazy as Joseph and his brothers trying to murder him. Since I embarrassed you today, I have a little gift for you. Here's a little $50, $50 grocery gift card. Thanks for letting us use your story. So Joseph's brothers plotted to murder him. But Reuben, the oldest brother, was like, hey, guys, I don't think this is such a good idea. So instead, he convinces them to just sell them into slavery. Actually, the other brothers say, okay, Reuben, Reuben doesn't think this is a good idea. We're going to sell him into slavery. So he's sold off into slavery into Egypt, and he, he ends up at Potiphar's house. This is a man who lived in Egypt. He's not just any man. He's the captain of the guard of the palace. And he was a slave in Potiphar's house for many, many years. And Joseph was also a very handsome man. And I'm not making this up. It actually says this in the Bible. And then Potiphar's wife notices that Joseph is a handsome dude. And she gets a little thirsty. And she starts hitting on Potiphar. And she's like, hey, let's get together. And Joseph's not having any of it. And she keeps hitting on him and hitting on him. And he keeps turning her down and turning her down. Eventually, Potiphar's wife's feelings got crushed and hurt. And so she decides to accuse him of raping her. He never touched her. So he's falsely accused. Potiphar finds out. And he gets really upset and throws him into prison. Now, he wasn't thrown into any prison. He was thrown into the palace prison. Now, we're not really sure what quite happened here, but while Joseph was in prison, something in the palace happened with Pharaoh. I'm thinking maybe he got poisoned because all of a sudden in the prison, his cupbearer, his head cupbearer, that's the guy that's supposed to test the food, test the drink, and his baker are thrown into prison with Joseph. So while they're there, the baker and the, the cupbearer have a dream, and it's really similar, and they're sharing it, and they're talking about, like, man, this is a weird dream. What could this possibly mean? And while they're there, Joseph's like, hey, I've been blessed by God. I can interpret your dream. Tell me what your dream is. And so the baker and the cupbearer share their dreams with Joseph, and he tells them, okay, I'm going to tell you what your dreams mean. Baker, I have bad news for you. In three days, you're going to be executed. Sorry. But, cupbearer, I have good news for you. In three days, you're going to be back in the good graces of Pharaoh. You're going to get out of here, and you're going to live a happy life. So when this happens, I've just interpreted your dreams. When this happens, I need you to advocate for me. When, when you go out and, and your good graces with Pharaoh, I need you to speak up for me because I was falsely accused and thrown into prison. So can you just advocate for me a little bit? Guess what? The cupbearer forgot all about him. But it was true. He interpreted the dreams. The baker was executed in three days. The cupbearer made it out. He's back in the good graces of Pharaoh. But Joseph was still in prison for two more years. That's a lot of bad stuff that Joseph walked through. And I want to point out here, just because we walk through heavy things does not mean that we're out of favor with God. 
Bad things are going to happen in our lives. We cannot avoid them. And if you spend your entire life working hard so you can just avoid hardship, you're going to be disappointed. Everybody walks through hard stuff. And you might have thought, because I told you of how lucky I've been in the past, that maybe I've never walked through hardship because you haven't really seen that. It's oftentimes that we don't celebrate our hardship. We only see each other's positive things, all the favor, all the blessings that we've received from God. And you see that on social media, online. Maybe you even hear that on Sunday morning. How's it going? I'm great. Life is good. And we don't celebrate the hardships, the struggles. And that's usually because we don't want to celebrate them until we're able to look back and see how thankful we are that God brought us out of them. We're talking about favor from God, but we can't really appreciate God's favor without walking through some valleys. So keep that in mind today as we're talking about Joseph's story. And what I really didn't share with you in the movie version in this recap is that while Joseph is walking through all of these hardships, every single step of the way, God is giving favor on his life. And, uh, and it's a really beautiful thing. So what is favor? And what is favor from God exactly? So simply defined, favor is an act of gracious kindness. God's favor is grace. Grace is unmerited blessing from God. We don't deserve it. We didn't earn it, but God gives it to us anyway. It's unearned, undeserved kindness poured out to us on, because God is so loving and he wants the best for his children. And when we really understand this concept of grace, what God's favor really looks like, then it can completely change our lives. It can completely change our view on how we look at life. We can't we can't overcomplicate it. We can't control this. We can't manipulate or control God. And we can't force a blessing. But the problem is there are a lot of people who are walking around living off of someone else's favor from God and think that that's enough. So let me ask you, are you living off of somebody else's favor from God? There's an example of this in Joseph's story. And I told you that his brothers sold him into slavery. And I want to read with you what happens right after that in Genesis 39, verse 1. Now Joseph was taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and when he became a successful man, he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. He made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he had, he had left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And with him there, he had no concern for anything but the food that he ate. Man, Potiphar was blessed because of Joseph's sake. Now, Potiphar, let's talk about him for a second. Potiphar was a pagan. Now, a pagan is usually somebody who loves to worship nature, but also they worship multiple deities, multiple spirits, and they don't recognize the God of the Bible. Does that sound familiar? Do you know anybody like that today? Potiphar was active in the slave trade and worked for the Egyptian Pharaoh. 
And God blessed Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. Potiphar didn't worship Joseph's God, but he saw that Joseph had favor with God. And so he chose to elevate Joseph so he could get the maximum benefit out of that relationship. How many of us are living off of our spouse or our mom or our grandparents' prayers? Maybe you even started coming to church, seeing that maybe they have something that you don't, but you're not actually willing to, to get a relationship with the one who gives the blessings. You're just hoping it rubs off on you. It's just going through the motions. Maybe you're even serving on the dream team here at Connect Church, and you're hoping that that's just gonna that's just gonna let you catch some of this that you see that other people have, some of the favor, some of the blessing that's pouring out on their life. But you've never actually taken the step to put your faith in Jesus. That's living off of someone else's favor from God. You're looking for the benefits without the relationship. God is not your genie or your vending machine. God. God has a bigger plan for your life than that, and he wants a relationship with you. So how do we find our own favor with God? Many people think that you have to become perfect, and your life needs to be perfect before you could ever have a relationship with God. I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with people, and they say, oh no, I can't go to church. As soon as I walk in, I would burn up. We end up using our imperfections as an excuse to keep God away. I hear this all the time when we're about to do a baptism service. We give them a call. We're like, hey, we noticed that you haven't been baptized yet. Are you interested in being baptized? And they're like, oh, I got some stuff I got to get right in my life first. We're using those imperfections to, as an excuse to keep him away. Let me tell you, God has no problem working through your imperfect people or imperfect situations. You don't need a perfect set of circumstances when you serve a perfect God. In fact, we see this time and time again, all throughout the Bible, God uses those crazy circumstances to fulfill his plan and his purpose. So let's look back at Joseph's story. I left off by telling you that he was thrown into prison with the cupbearer and the baker, and the baker was executed, and the cupbearer was out, and he was like, man, as soon as you get out, make sure you give me a good recommendation. But the, the cupbearer forgot about him all together, and two years went by. And then all of a sudden, Pharaoh has a dream. And he has such a powerful dream that he remembers it. And he's like, man, I know this dream means something, but I don't know what it means. I need somebody to interpret this for me. So he calls all of the smart people in his life. And he's like telling him his dream and nobody can figure it out. And then the cupbearer is like, hey, I have, I have a recommendation. Um, remember when you were mad at me and you threw me into prison and I met this guy named Joseph and he interpreted my dream and it was right on. He told me that I was going to get out of here in three days and it happened exactly as he said. I think Joseph is your guy. I think Joseph, Joseph is the one who's going to be able to interpret your dream. So let's pick up in the book version in Genesis 41 verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent for Joseph. He was hurriedly brought out of the dungeon, and when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, probably smart, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, and there's no one who can interpret it. I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not I. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. 
Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream, I was standing on the banks of the Nile and seven cows, fat and sleek, came up out of the Nile and fed in the reed grass. Then seven other cows came up after them, poor, very ugly and thin. Never had I seen such ugly ones in the land of Egypt. The thin and ugly cows ate up the first fat cows, but when they had eaten them, no one would have known that they had done so, for they were still as ugly as before. Then I awoke. I fell asleep a second time, and I saw my, in my dream seven ears of grain, full and good, growing in one stalk, and seven ears withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind, sprouting after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears. But when I told it to the magicians, there was no one who could explain it to me. So back to the movie version. So Joseph goes to the Pharaoh, and he's like, listen, Pharaoh, God has just revealed to you what's about to happen in Egypt. And for the next seven years, you are about to have land of plenty. Life is going to be full and full to its abundance. You're going to have everything you need and more. But then after those seven years, it's going to come seven years of famine, seven years of great depression, and people are going to go hungry. So here's what I recommend to you, Pharaoh. And this is from God, not me. But God, Pharaoh, I believe that you should appoint the wisest person you know, and you should put him over the harvest that you see in the first seven years and have him hold back one fifth of everything that comes in. So you hold back 20% and then you can distribute that for the next seven years during the famine. So let's see what Pharaoh had to say about that. In verse 37, the proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find anyone else like this? One in whom is the spirit of God? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only with regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all of the land of Egypt. Man, through these crazy circumstances, through Joseph being sold into slavery and then being made the head of the household of Potiphar, only to be falsely accused and thrown into prison, then God was able to elevate him and put him in front of Pharaoh and then make them the head of all of Egypt. That is something that Joseph walked through that is so powerful. And you know, a lot of times we claim that the hard things that we're walking through in our lives are distractions from the enemy. Have you ever heard people say this? That's a distraction from the enemy. I just need to turn and run. But really, they're interruptions that God uses to bring out a greater purpose in our lives. So is your hardship that you're walking through right now, is it an interruption or is it a distraction? See, a distraction is like you're at home and you're trying to work on something and your kid comes running up to you and he's like, hey, my sister just threw my iPad in the toilet. That is a distraction. A distraction is built to deter you away from what you're supposed to be focused on. A distraction from the enemy, Satan, is built to take your eyes off of God. But an interruption is different. An interruption is kind of like when you're out to eat at a, a restaurant and you're so engrossed with the conversation you're having with your friend that you don't even realize what time it is. And the waiter comes over and he's like, hey, I just need to interrupt you and remind you that you only have 15 minutes left of service. It's last call. An interruption is there to point you back to what you should be focused on. And it can be used to get you back on the right path of God's plan. 
There were some distractions in Joseph's life for sure. And Potiphar's wife was one of them. And thankfully he said no to that distraction. But there were a whole lot more interruptions in Joseph's life that God was able to bring and use and use him to, be the, to, to give him blessing for all that God had planned in his life. And what's so amazing about Joseph's story is that Joseph remained faithful to God through every distraction and every interruption. He constantly pointed back to God and gave him the honor instead of trying to take it for himself. He could have went in front of Pharaoh and he could have been like, yeah, I, I know everything. Tell me your, your dream. I, I can interpret anything. And, and then he could claim all the credit and, and he would receive all the credit because he would have had the answer. But instead he elevated God, not himself. In verse 16, it says, it is not I God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Joseph pointed back to the source. He gave honor to God when he could have claimed it for himself. Joseph was faithful to God through everything. And that's why he found favor and blessing from God in everything. So let me ask you this. God is faithful to you, but are you faithful to him? Would you really be able to say, yeah, my brothers can sell me into slavery. Potiphar's wife can come at me. I can be falsely accused and thrown into prison. My whole life can be flipped upside down as how I know it. But I'm going to stay faithful to God no matter what. And I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. And I'm going to try and become more like him. That is the example that Joseph set for us so many years ago. And it's not near as complicated as we try and make it out to be. Just be faithful. When our whole life seems to be crumbling, when we feel like we've lost control, even though we never really had control in the first place, just be faithful. When you feel like everything is flipped upside down, when you feel like you have no hope or you don't see a future or you lost your dreams that you were so focused on, just be faithful to God because he is where your eyes should be in the first place. I like to explain it this way, and if you've been around Connect Church for any amount of time, you've probably heard me say this, but be faithful to God in your time, in your talent, and in your treasure. We've all been given the same amount of time in the day, but it's how we use that time that's different. So use some of that time in your day to be faithful to God through prayer, through Bible study, through, re through talking to God, through communion with God and having a conversation with him. That's when you're going to really see that your spiritual life is growing. Don't just spend all of your time on yourself or on an employer's. The employer doesn't deserve all of your time. God deserves some of your time. That's right. You've also been given some talents. Joseph's talent was interpreting dreams. Now, maybe you haven't been given the talent of interpreting dreams, but you've been given something. Maybe you know how to play guitar. Maybe you are the baby whisperer, and you can put a baby to sleep like that. Man, that is a talent. You need to be sharing that talent with other people. 
I promise you have been given a unique talent that nobody else has. It is yours exclusively, exclusively as a blessing from God. And you need to use that talent so that you can honor God with it. Be faithful to God with your talents. And I believe that the best place and the easiest place to do that is by serving in your local church. It doesn't have to be in your local church. You can serve God outside of your church as well. But man, is it so easy to be able to use that gifting and talent, especially if you're a baby whisperer, get up there in tinies and serve some kids. Man, we've also been given treasure. We have finances that we've been blessed with. And if you live in Canada, you are 95% of the world is more poor than you are. You are in the top 5% of the world. Now, it might not feel like that sometimes, but you have been blessed financially. Just go to a third world country and you will see how blessed you truly are. But use some of that finance to honor God and to um, elevate him and make sure you're giving back to God and being faithful to him. Now, I believe that you can practice that through local giving at your local church. So Daniel and I, we practice and we give financially by percentage giving through Connect Church. And we also um, give financially to Compassion International and we support and sponsor children. Now, Every year, we set aside some time and we go through our finances and we say, how can we level this up? Each year, we want to level up and say, how can we do more? And I'm telling you, I can look back on our giving record. And let me tell you, church planters make nothing. So back in 2016, when we launched the church and we had nothing we still honored God and we gave out of the nothing. And I can see how God has been faithful to us through the years. And he has blessed us financially. And we are saying, thank you, God. Here is blessing right back at you. Thank you. God blesses you with so much, but make sure you're using your time, your talent, and your treasure to be faithful back to God. Many of us think that we show up at church and that's giving back to God. Like we walk through the door, we're like, I have arrived. God, are you, you are blessed by me because of my presence. <laughs> and, and we also think that about the Bible. We open up our Bible and we spend like five minutes reading half a chapter. And we're like, God, aren't you blessed by me? I read your scripture today. You, you've got it backwards. The, the church is a blessing to you from God. Most of the things in our life are a blessing from God. It's not a blessing to God. And the Bible is a blessing from God. The Bible is a gift for you, and you're not doing him any favor by reading it. You're doing you a favor by reading it. The only thing that we have to give back to God is worship. Everything else is a gift from him. Worship is the only gift we can give to him. Now, worship looks a lot different. It's very diverse, just like our beautiful church. But worship could be praise and song and dancing, lifting our hands. That's why you lift them up to heaven. That's why we kick off with a praise song. We had two awesome praise songs that all about elevating God. And that's why we, we crank up the music here during worship so that you can sing at the top of your lungs and nobody's going to hear you except God. Come on. Are you grateful for loud music today? Yes. But this is your opportunity to give the only thing that you have back to God. But if you're putting your hands in your pocket and you're just reading those lyrics, 
but you're not actually praising, you are missing your one opportunity today to worship God. But worship can be different. Worship can also be gratitude. You start off your day and you're like, God, I am so thankful. Look at the many blessings you have given me. Maybe you journal and you write all that down. And in gratitude, you are giving worship back to God. Worship can be giving your talent back to God. Like I said earlier, man, there is so much that you've been blessed with. Joseph, in the middle of his hopelessness, in the middle of him being in the prison with no hope for a future and no way out, served God. Let that sink in for a minute. No matter what circumstance you're walking through right now, no matter how hopeless you feel, and Joseph set the example to serve through it. And you can also serve him and worship by giving financially to spread the gospel. See, where you spend your money is evidence of what you worship. Is there evidence in your life that you are worshiping God? Because that's the only thing that you have to give him. But if you're sitting here and you think that your presence in this church is a gift to God, your mindset is backwards. His presence is the gift. His church is the gift. His son dying on the cross so that you could have a relationship with him is the gift. It is a privilege to be able to have a place and a community to grow in a relationship with God. The last thing I want to leave you with and many of you came here today with children. So how many of you are parents? Lift your hands up high. Let me see. Okay, and add, add to that. Keep your hands up. How many of you are also kids volunteers? Like you serve in Connect Kids. Come on. I'm so thankful. Can we give it up for the Connect Kids volunteers? So great. You are the heroes of this church. Man, I want to make sure that you walk out of here knowing how to teach your kids to have favor with God. Listen now, kids will learn to have favor with God when their parents follow God. This was even true in Joseph's life. His father, Jacob, followed God, and even the people around him acknowledged that Jacob had favor and followed God. Uh, Joseph's grandfather, Laban, recognized this in Jacob's life, and he actually kept Jacob around for many, many years so that he could catch the favor of God that he saw in Jacob's life. You can read a little bit more about that in Genesis 30. We don't have time today, but Jacob was known for being faithful to God, and he taught that to his son, Joseph. That bleeds over when you teach it to your children. So if you want your kids to have favor with God as they grow up and start families of their own, you have to set the example. Don't lean on somebody else's blessing or favor to teach them. So here's a few tips, just three, on how to help teach your kids to have favor with God. Number one, make sure your relationship with Jesus is growing. Now, it doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to know how to read the whole Bible in order to teach your kids. It's simple as showing them, like having a prayer time, sitting down and saying, we're going to pray over this food. We're going to pray together and make sure that we end our night honoring God. It could be as simple as getting in your car today and saying, hey, kids, today I just put my faith and trust in Jesus. I don't know if you have, but I just needed to tell you that I did. Just take that next step wherever you are. You don't have to wait until you have everything figured out. Yeah. 
Number two, be consistent in going to church. You need a faith community. And maybe I'm preaching to the choir because you're here in August and you're not camping, but we, we need to be consistent. It's not just today. It's every single week. We need a faith community around us, not just to be in the room so that we have a better experience. This isn't a show. This is your opportunity to worship. This is also your opportunity to have deeper conversations. When you're out there in the lobby and you're having conversations, maybe somebody has walked through something really difficult and you have an opportunity to pray over them. You have an opportunity to grow when you're like, I don't really understand how to read this. Maybe you can go to somebody and just ask somebody who might know how to explain explain it. Maybe you have an opportunity to show your kids that they need to be in the room too. They need the people who are growing closer to Jesus and they're not going to find it in a public school system. I know this for a fact because I grew up in the public school system. You do not find your faith community in the school system. You find it at church. And man, connect kids volunteers. You are the ones making a difference because you're the ones who are teaching them how to read the Bible. I grew up in church and I'm so thankful to kids volunteers because they are the ones who sat aside time. They are the ones who were consistent in my life and said, this is how you read the Bible. This is the sword drill. This is how you find a chapter in the Bible. Man, this is how you pray. Your kids need to learn how to pray. And if you're not there to teach them, you need to make sure that somebody else is. Get them in the room so they're surrounded by other kids who are leaning in and learning and discovering how to be more like Jesus. Number three, stay faithful even when things get hard. We don't have a relationship with Jesus so our life can have less hardship in it. We follow Jesus so that when things get hard, we have someone to look to for help. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, if I put my faith in Jesus, but it doesn't make my life easier and more smooth, why would I bother? Well, let me tell you, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we receive the helper, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does something amazing in our life. In Galatians 5.22, it says this, the Holy Spirit gives us this. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. And when you put your faith in Jesus, and you lean in, and you stay faithful to God, no matter what you're walking through, no matter what your circumstance looks like, you will have these things in your life. Lean in and trust the Holy Spirit to draw these things out in your life. Your life will not always go as you expect it to. Your life is not always going to be easy. That is not the promise of the Bible. But you do have the promise that God is faithful to you. So stay faithful to him through every single hardship, through every single thing. Lift up your hands in honor and praise the one because the only thing you have to give is worship and glory to the God who has never left you, who will always be there no matter what you are walking through.
Thank you, Jesus. Let me pray over you. God, I just bless this church. I lift them up to you. God, I just pray that we lift our hearts to you, that we are open to feeling your holy presence here now in this moment, that as you're working through our hearts and our minds, God, I pray and I thank you that you are always faithful to us. And so God, in this moment, I pray that you would pull something out of us, that you would open our eyes to give us the opportunity to always be faithful to you. God, thank you. Thank you for the many, many blessings that we have in our life. Thank you for walking with us in the heaviest of storms. And thank you for the many joyful things that you abundantly give. We praise you and we lift your name high. Amen.